Amen. I tell you, pastorally, there are very few things that bring more joy to my heart than hearing our young ones, whether it's the Nicene Creed or the Lord's Prayer, reciting these things and uh, growing in their faith towards the living God. Amen. Jesus said, let the little children come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And we believe that he has received them, he has blessed them, that they are his, set apart to him as holy. Uh, and so uh, may he teach them even as he teaches us this day. Please open your copy of God's word, brethren, to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Last, this is the last time uh, I intend to look at these verses, verses uh, 14 to 17. This week, uh, one last time, I want us to focus, uh, because this is so vitally, vitally important, on those important phrases right at the end of verse 17 about the righteousness of God and what it means to that this is revealed and received and walked in from faith to faith. And what does it mean then? the implications of this phrase, the just shall live by faith. So if you'd stand together, I'm going to read to you from Romans 1, verses 14 to 17. Romans 1, 14 to 17. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as, as much as is in me... I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. May the Lord bless the hearing of his word to our edification. You may be seated, brethren. In verses 16 and 17, something that was pointed out to me uh, recently, but which is very important, is uh, verses 16 and 17 of Romans actually comport very well very much in line with our Westminster Shorter Catechism question one. We think about, we ask the question of what is man's chief end? Of course, we know then that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. In every situation, at all times, that the way we glorify God and pursue His glory is by seeking in every situation to maximize our joy in the Lord. This isn't just dispassionate pleasure. You know, this, this isn't the kind of thing, uh, you know, that just I feel happy because it's nice and sunny outside. Brethren, this is, this is that kind of joy that makes Paul and Silas sing in a Roman prison at midnight. This is the kind of joy that overcomes the world the joy that sets people free and keeps them pursuing and going and fighting and running towards the goal, like it says in Hebrews 12, that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured. He despised the shame, but he, there was joy 
He knew it by faith. He believed the promise of God. And because that joy of the inheritance, here am I and the children whom thou hast given me, he pursued and he continued and overcame even to the death of the cross, trusting in the righteousness of God to vindicate him and even to raise him from the dead because there was the reward of joy set before him. And brethren, in this room in front of me are all the uh, visible evidences of Jesus' joy being fulfilled. So that's how the faith, it was a faith rooted in joy. And in verse 16 and 17, Paul has told us that salvation is for everyone who believes through the gospel. This salvation being saved out of, of death, despair, misery, perdition, and being saved, as we've seen in previous weeks, saved into righteousness, saved into joy, saved into hope, saved toward glory. Saved into liberty in Christ. That's joy, brethren. And this salvation, this joy, uh, righteous, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, Romans 14, 17 says. And, and, and this salvation into the joy of Christ and the, His redemption is for everyone who believes through the gospel. They enjoy God. They're reconciled to God. God Himself is the chief end of the gospel. His glory and, and our gladness and joy in Him. And then Paul speaks in verse 17, the righteousness of God, which is revealed in this gospel. That corresponds to the first part of the catechism about glorifying God. God, is, Paul says, is His goal is to be glorified because His righteousness is and has been and is being revealed. His righteous character, His faithfulness to His covenant promises, even if by His own self, at His own expense, Him keeping the covenant, His righteous and holy and character, His justifying character of those that have faith in Jesus as well as His justice is being revealed to His glory through the gospel. And these intertwined realities of our enjoyment of God and His glory in us these intertwined realities grow and they culminate in, as I said, righteousness, peace, and joy that characterizes the kingdom of God, Romans 14, verse 17. As we've seen, God calls us, the command is that we would go on believing and continue trusting God through Jesus Christ as He is revealed to us as the righteousness of God in the gospel. Jesus is revealed to us to the, those who believe as God's righteousness visibly displayed and manifest through the gospel. And by this faith, we will be saved now. We are being saved, and we have been saved, and we will be saved from wrath at the last day by believing and holding fast to this gospel. God continuously reveals His righteousness to justify and save those who have faith in Jesus Christ, as we'll see from faith to faith. What this means, brethren, is that if we don't have the sweet assurance that we are right now already, before in advance of the final day, if we don't have right now the reality that having been presently already justified by faith, already pronounced no condemnation even before the final, the final last judgment, we know if we don't know that we already stand in a position of grace, favor, and no condemnation, that we are already acquitted, forgiven, and counted righteous by God now in advance of the judgment in this age, 
by faith in Jesus Christ, the net effect, if we don't have that assurance, is that we will not be able to walk the path of obedient faith, to run the race, fight the good fight of faith, and inherit the crown of glory and righteousness. If we don't have that assurance of righteousness imputed to us by faith in Jesus alone and rest in that and work and labor in that reality, we will either lose heart and seek solace in and from the things of this world, the passing pleasures of sin, or we will try to substitute our own watered-down, self-made, hypocritical, pharisaical, outward version of righteousness in a vain attempt to earn God's blessing by our works. But either way, we are not submitting to the righteousness of God if we don't find it in Jesus presently and rest in Him. Brethren, present assurance of grace and salvation by faith alone, freely as a gift of God, given His grace and righteousness, that is the only power that can produce true heart righteousness that pleases God rather than unrighteousness or self-righteousness. Brethren, we're going to see today that it is this power of God through believing and leaning hold and grasping this gospel that actually far from making you prone to shall we sin that grace may abound, <laughs> it actually makes you Say, I would never, ever desire to, and I will work and fight and labor against sin in myself and in the world because I love him who gave himself for me. Because I love that cross and I love that gospel. Brethren, in the life of obedient, overcoming faith that God requires of us as believers in order to inherit his kingdom, his glory, assumes that we are justified by faith now as a present reality. Imputed righteousness received by grace alone through faith alone. It is from that secure position then that we must fight sin and unbelief. The person who fights like that, like a justified sinner, that's the person who will live. That's the person who will overcome. Freed from God's present and future wrath and condemnation, standing and overcoming all trials by God's powerful grace, and all because they believe the gospel. So brethren, let's consider today, just in brief, what Paul is meaning here when he says that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. First thing I'd have us to see, point one, as he says here, that the righteousness, the covenant faithfulness of God to justify His people in His righteousness, that is revealed from faith, he says, and it's revealed to faith. Literally, the Greek there is it's revealed out of faith and unto faith. It's an interesting expression. What does he mean by this, from out of faith into faith? Well, there's been a lot of thought, as you might imagine, commentaries have written uh, all sorts of thinking about that trite little phrase, from faith to faith. I'm going to posit it has two primary meanings, both of which run uh, actually, rather than contradicting, are actually beautifully parallel. Number one, it runs uh, out of God's faithfulness unto faith in the believer. The word in Greek that is translated faith there, which is pistos, actually, depending on context, is either faith or faithfulness. It's an interesting characteristic of that word that Faith and faithfulness are, are essentially two sides of the same coin. They are one and the same. 
Where there is faith, there is faithfulness. Where there is faithfulness, that you mean you know for sure that there was faith that was leading to that, right? So from God's faithfulness, His righteousness leading to faith in the believer. So this would be God is the, the, the sense that this uh, sense here is that God's righteousness is being revealed, continually being revealed, which is the Greek sense there, is continually being real, revealed from God's faithfulness unto faith in the believer. As the believer, as we see more and more as we go, God's faithfulness to his promises, God's faithfulness to preserve and to bring us through trials of all sorts, God's faithfulness to provide and protect and to lead us, whether it's over glorious mountaintops or the valleys of the shadows of death, seeing that our good shepherd is with us. As we see the faithfulness of God and our good shepherd Jesus, we see day by day more and more of that faithfulness. We see it manifested in a myriad of ways. Through the eyes of faith, we walk by faith, not by sight. And in seeing it, we are then fortified in our faith to continue on from faith to faith. So it's from God's faithfulness to our faith, our increase of faith. All right? That's why there's this parallel, I love it, between verse 17, between the righteousness of God, and it corresponds in verse 16 to the power of God, because the righteousness of God, which is being revealed from faith to faith, is actually the power of God on behalf of the believer unto salvation. They're one and the same. God's righteousness, His faithfulness, is revealed to us as His power to keep and preserve us through all trials and tribulations and all things unto salvation by the Spirit and the power of God working in us through His Word. There's also this parallel between the just, the idea of verse 17 of the just living by faith, as I said, and their salvation in verse 16. So the power that brings us into full salvation from the present and future wrath of God and into a position of His grace and favor where we know that He is for us, no matter where He leads us, that He is for us. And if God is for us, who can separate us from the love of God? Who can be against us? The way that Paul gets to where he can say what he says at the end of Romans 8 and speak of this salvation is because it is what happens. That is what happens when the just is living by faith. They perceive that God is for them by faith. They apprehend it. And therefore, it transforms everything. The deepest valley or the highest mountain, anywhere where God is with me and he is for me, I see it, His righteousness, and it's my salvation. It's His power keeping and working in me unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last day, as 1 Peter 1.5 says. But also this phrase, from faith to faith, has a sense, I think, also of from one degree of faith in the believer to greater faith. Within the justified, it has the idea of the increase of faith. You know, faith, it's, it's, it's like muscles, Right? And when we're first born into the Lord, we're born again. We are truly born. We're new creatures in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. But brethren, we are also like a little one in that we have weak, weak faith muscles. Well, how do you grow muscles? You exercise them. You strain them. Right? 
You work against resistance. You overcome resistance, and it actually makes you strong as you walk by faith. And you see God's faithfulness manifest in overcoming the world, the flesh, and the devil. Brethren, in the same way, the righteousness of God being revealed to us day by day, it brings us from faith to greater faith to greater faith. You all know that one of my, as I've said many times, one of my heroes of the faith is George Mueller. I I love Mueller. But the thing I love about Mueller, as you've read his biography, is that, you know, when he was first converted, he, he, you know, like, like you said, you say, well, how did, how did Mueller become this man of such great faith that he could just pray and he knew and he was willing to risk everything and say, the Lord's going to provide. I know it because we're doing his will. And if you read, boy, later part of his life, there were points where, you know, he just had such a certainty in prayer that God said, this is going to happen. And I laying the promises of God there and saying, Lord, I claim these. I believe your word is true because you've said it. Not because I feel it, because I see it so. And we saw how the Lord answered him and, and, and brought in funds and how the Lord did amazing works because he was a man of great faith. He had learned, though he was a, a man who was rather diminutive in stature, he was a man who was a monster of faith. His faith muscles had learned more and more to depend upon the faithfulness and righteousness of God from day to day. He would pray and pray and see answers to prayer. And so he would learn to pray more bold prayers and even bolder prayers and bigger prayers. And then he would see God answer, sometimes immediately, sometimes after delay. But the point is his faith was growing. And he got to where he could literally, as it were, lift heavier and heavier things and move higher objects because his faith. Brethren, this is the idea. The righteousness of God works in us and it increases our strength in the Lord as we grow to trust Him more and more. What is that hymn we sing? Jesus, Jesus, how I love Him, how I've proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Brethren, is that your prayer today? I don't just want to have Jesus as my covering. I do that. Oh, thank God for the gospel. But I want the grace to trust him in ways tomorrow and next week and next month that I simply have never trusted him before. To trust him, to be able to have peace in the midst of storms. When the storm is raging all about me and I'm in that boat, to have the faith that can look at Jesus when he says, come and walk on the water and say, Lord, I'm coming. Or I believe, Lord, you're going to do this because you said you would. Brethren, that's faith to faith. I think that is also part of what Paul... So I'm asking you quickly, brethren, as application of point one, is your faith anchored to the unmoving rock of the righteousness of God to keep his covenant promises, to be faithful to you through your abiding union with Jesus? Is your faith anchored to that? Jesus has been faithful. He came. He laid down his life for me. He bore my sin on Calvary. He rose again, resurrected, victorious, ruling and reigning for me. He is now dwelling in me by the Holy Spirit. And that Jesus is for me. And he has promised that he is willing to do exceedingly abundantly above what I ask. He has bid me to call upon me, him and to pray in his name. 
to ask great things in His name, the authority of His name, and then to wait and see and, and petition uh, importunately the, the God, His Father, in His name, and that God is going to work. And Jesus will show Himself faithful, our Good Shepherd, to bring us into green pastures, to bring us through valleys of shadows, to anoint our head with oil in the midst of our enemies. Brethren, as you see that good shepherd, your faith in him will trust grow more and more. You will fear less and less those valleys. You will fear less and less and your faith will grow. Brethren, is that your desire? Are you anchored to Christ? Are you seeing little by little more and more the righteousness of God revealed in your day-to-day life, month-to-month, year-to-year, so that you can say, yes, Brother Steve, I am maybe slowly, but I am progressing upward towards maturity in faith, trusting Jesus more and more. I remind you, brethren, that the Exodus generation, when they came out out of Egypt, brethren, they had seen the faithfulness of God. They had seen the Lord destroy the Egyptians. They had seen the plagues. They had seen him bring the plagues on the Egyptians and spare the people of God there in Goshen. He had seen, they had seen the God's faithfulness manifestly over and over, bringing them out. And he brought them through the Red Sea when they were at a place where there was, he literally brought them to a Red Sea where there was no hope except Egyptians behind them. And yet the Lord stood behind them. He made a way. And yet, brethren, what is one of the first things they do? They begin to grumble and complain against the Lord. Why have you brought us out here to kill us? Where is the faithfulness of God? Brethren, God was standing ready to part the, give them water out of a rock. He was ready if they had but called upon him and said, Lord, you are our provider here in this wilderness. You have been faithful to us. You will be faithful to us in the next generation. You will rid the Canaanites in the land because you've called us to go there. You are with us. But the reason that generation failed, brethren, is they had seen the faithfulness of God over and over, but it did not yield faith in them toward God. Brethren, our call is to see the righteousness of God and believe. God will uphold his chosen ones in life and in death. Secondly, he quotes from Habakkuk here, chapter 2, verse 4. We read this as our Old Testament reading today. In the context of Habakkuk, Prophet Habakkuk is complaining to God about God's righteousness, or as he would say, his perceived lack of righteousness. Habakkuk is questioning God humbly, you know, as he says in chapter 2, when he says, I, I, I have made my request, I'll humble myself now to see if when he corrects me. But he's, he's questioning God. He's saying, essentially, God, in light of your stated intent, you know, in light of your righteousness, God had said back in chapter 1 that God was going to raise up the wicked, ruthless, idolatrous Babylonians as his rod to discipline his own people. Now, Habakkuk knew fully well from from earlier in Habakkuk. You see, he knew that Israel was unrighteous. He knew there was not worthiness. 
right? He knew that the people of God, there was serious issues in idolatry and corruption. But nevertheless, God, to raise up the even, the, the at least as wicked, if not more wicked Babylonians, to use them? How is that righteous, God? He's saying, essentially, is it just and righteous for God to use the wicked to judge and discipline his own wicked people? (laughs) And, of course, God's reply in Habakkuk to vindicate his own righteousness is, he says, that whereas the proud and the wicked Babylonians would be punished, they would fall in due time. God assures Habakkuk that the day is coming. It will come. Wait for it, for it will not tarry. It will come. The Babylonians in due time would be punished. They would fall. They will get their just desserts. The humble and the righteous who are true, the true Israelites, nevertheless, Hebrew, uh, Habakkuk 2.4, in the midst of that, the just, those who are mine, those who are righteous of heart among my people, they will live by faith because I am righteous. And I know the hairs of their head. I know my Daniels. I know my Shadrachs, Meshach, and Abednegoes. I know my Esthers and my Nehemiahs. Are they going to go to Babylon? Maybe they will. But am I going to go there with them? You better believe it. The good shepherd's there. He's going to watch and preserve. And I will bring them back. And I will judge their oppressors. My people will be saved. The just will live by faith, be preserved from God's wrath by His humble. The just will be preserved from God's wrath and through God's wrath by His humble, steadfast faith in God's righteous character and promises and His consequent faithful and steadfast striving to walk in the obedience of faith. As we've seen back in Romans 1.5. God's just judgment on Israel will ultimately separate the wheat from the chaff, the sheep from the goats among His people as well as among the nations. The just live and bear fruit and are revealed in their true character by faith. Now, last two things here real quickly. There's been question among Bible scholars, uh, exegetes, about what exactly when he says the just shall live by faith. How is that to be interpreted? Because the Greek there behind this can be interpreted rightly, legitimately in one of two ways. Either what I would call objectively or subjectively. And this actually matters. The one would be the idea that what Paul is saying here, uh, that the phrase should be say, the one who by faith is just shall live. The, in the Greek, the question of, uh, of whether the, um, of the faith itself is speaking of the person and his status by faith or him living by faith. You see, that's the difference. One way that this is interpreted in some Bible translations is actually the one who by faith is just or is righteous shall live. Brethren, that's certainly true. That very much comports with everything Paul's going to say in chapters 1 through 4, is it not? We're going to get to chapter 3 and we're going to see how God is the one who justifies the ungodly by faith in Jesus. That God is the one who gives him an alien righteousness and a status in Christ that God is the one who makes them and counts them and reckons them as righteous. And that therefore, the one who is justified by that faith shall live. You see it. So that's very much true and it comports with Paul's message. 
That's why you get to chapter 5, 1, and he says, Therefore, having now, present tense, been justified by faith. There's that assurance. We have peace. We have assurance. And therefore, he goes on, you remember, and he says, And we stand in grace. Which brings me to the second point, the subjective sense. Because the subjective inter- understanding is the way it's rendered in most of our translations. The one who is righteous shall live by his faith. You see it? And the question is, as I, I think over the years, I've seen so often when you get to, in the scriptures, these Greek phrases that there's a little bit of ambiguity. The fact is, in almost every case, you find that they're both accurate. Because, brethren, the reality is it is the one who is just by faith who will live by his faith. You see it? They will overcome. They will bear good fruits. Because by their faith they will live. And that's the burden of Romans chapter 5 through 8. You remember? When he gets into chapters 5 and talks about us being in a new Adam, so that whereas our old lives were fruitless, now in Christ the new Adam we will bear fruit because grace is greater than sin. Whereas sin reigned in the old Adam, now grace will reign through righteousness in the new Adam. That's why we get to chapter 6 and he says, Sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you're no longer under the law, which is righteous and holy and good, but is powerless to overcome the sin problem. But you're now under sovereign, transforming, powerful grace through faith, which works in you by the Spirit, so that the righteousness, chapter 8, the righteousness, of, uh, the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us who walk by the Spirit. Brethren, the sense of what Paul is saying here is just like with Habakkuk. Those who are just by faith shall live and overcome and inherit by that very same faith. From faith to faith, beginning to end. And that faith from beginning to end is anchored to the righteousness of God. He has been righteous. He will be righteous and faithful. And He will keep me to the end. Brethren, that is the gospel. And Paul says in conclusion then that it's by believing that gospel about God's righteousness. That is what creates in you and me joy. That's what creates in you and me perseverance. That's what creates in you and me faith that overcomes the world and inherits eternal life and glory. So brethren, here's the application then. There's great urgency from Paul, and I will say this, there's great urgency from me as your pastor. That each one of you would have a strong assurance right now of your your present salvation, of your present being justified by grace through faith, of your present standing with God in His favor, along with the corresponding joy that that brings. Because brethren... It is in knowing, as Romans 5, 1 says, having been justified by faith, present reality. We have peace, present reality, with God. He is for me. He is not against me. And we stand, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. And we have grace 
favor. Everything God is doing that he will do for me is for my good. It's coming not to punish and crush me, but it's coming from a father who wants good for me and is pursuing my eternal good. Even when he chastens me, it's, I know it's from a fatherly love to bring the, right, the fruits of holiness and righteousness in my life, as Hebrews 12 says. Everything, my grid through which I look at the world is now one of no condemnation. It's one of, I am a brother, I am one who has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I am one who is in a state of favor and grace with Jesus. Even when I have sinned, that uh, I will come into the light and he will continually cleanse, and cleanse me. I walk in the light and I have fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You need to know this, brethren. Because, brethren, when you know that you stand in grace, that's why Paul goes on then in Romans 5 and he says, he says, and not only that, I love that, not only that, he says, but we boast. (laughs) We boast in our tribulations. Tribulations are going to come. Trials are going to come. We talked earlier this morning about sins and miseries in the world. You will face obstacles, brethren, along your path to the celestial city, to the glory that the Lord has laid before you. How are you going to overcome those and inherit? By faith. By joy in believing the gospel and knowing that God is for you. Who can be against you? Therefore, we boast in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces character. And character, the fruits of the Spirit, more and more faith produces hope. And that hope, he says, does not disappoint because the love of God, the love for God, the love for God's people has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Brethren, how are you going to boast your way all the way to glory? It's not by boasting in yourself. It's because you're going to be boasting in the greatness and the righteousness and the goodness of the God who saved and is saving you and is keeping you. And it's going to be because you know that there is no condemnation for you now or ever because you are in grace. Brethren, do you believe that? I'm not talking just about affirming the Nicene Creed. I want everybody to believe the facts of the faith. But what I'm asking each of you from the oldest to the youngest is are you growing in trusting God, resting your faith in Jesus Christ more and more, letting your faith muscles get stronger from day to day, drinking the pure milk of the word and the meat of the word like protein for your soul that you may grow thereby, 1 Peter chapter 2 as newborn babes hungering for the word of God that you may grow. Oh, brethren, my yearning for us is that we would be a people that are seeing the righteousness of God revealed day by day, whether you find yourself in the hospital, in difficult circumstances or financial distress, emotional struggles, tribulations, trials, whatever, called to move to other states, Are you seeing the righteousness and the faithfulness of God revealed to you? Because if you are, you know what that's going to do? It's going to carouse you to trust him more and more. Jesus, Jesus. Precious Jesus. 
Oh, for grace to trust him more. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that the righteousness of God is being revealed from faith to faith. From your faithfulness to our faith. And from our weak faith to the strengthening and increase of our faith. To trust you more and more. To learn to ask greater and greater things of you and expect more and more. Because you have promised and you are faithful. You delight to show yourself strong both for and in us through Jesus Christ because then you get the glory and we get the joy and our chief end is fulfilled. Oh God, increase our faith. The disciples prayed to Jesus. They said, Lord, increase our faith. And he told them, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will you know, say to this, tree, you be moved and cast into the sea and it will. Father, there are obstacles, there are trials, there are giants in the land. Father, there seems to be so many things that would cause us to say, there's no possible way that we can see real victory. Sometimes in our homes, or stubborn, difficult things in ourselves or in our children, or certainly in our workplaces or in our neighborhoods. Can we really expect to see the power of God go forth and you and your righteousness bringing in a harvest, bringing in fish as we commit ourselves to being fishers of men. And yet, Father, you have said you are faithful and you will do it. And so, Father, I pray that you, for each one of us here, would you increase our faith. May we be people of great faith. And may that faith carry us through until the day when our faith becomes sight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.